I think you'll be able to find your motivation when others really know what you're trying to accomplish and you can, you know, do it together. Then you don't feel as alone as you're going through that new job phase. You're listening to Business Edge, the podcast for professionals looking to excel in their industry. We'll interview new guests each week, diving deep into their personal and professional experiences to give you a jumpstart on your journey. This podcast is recorded by Desiree Williams and Chrissy Vasquez at the Alpha Kappa Psi Professional Business Fraternity Headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Business Edge. My name is Desiree Williams. I'm the Digital Education Coordinator here at AKSI, and I've got my co-host, Chrissy Vasquez, with me. Hi, my name is Chrissy, and I'm Chief Development Officer for an organization called Indie Reads. We believe in literacy for all. Today, we're chatting all about after graduation from college, kind of what do you do if you don't have a job lined up? How do you deal with that homegrown stress? Things like that. So today we have uh, Shanna Hank with us. She's our guest. Shanna, do you want to start telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do in your career so far? Absolutely. I'm really happy to be here. So my name is Shanna Hank, and I currently work at Best Buy's corporate headquarters, and I'm located here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I've been here for about two years, and I've had a few different roles at Best Buy. I currently am a learning and development manager where I do a lot of consultation and I learn the different strategies within different business divisions and I help kind of connect the dots between strategy of a business and how do we leverage learning to drive that performance and to make enhancements across the company. So it's a really fun role for me been here again, like I said, about two years, and so I've been in learning and development for that time, and really enjoyed that. I I graduated from the University of North Dakota with my MBA about two years ago, and was extremely involved in AK size, so I'm really excited to, you know, help give some advice to those going through what I went through, you know, two, three years ago. Awesome. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you. So, you know, this episode's all about recent graduates and making sure they have the tips to start off on the right foot. So now that you're almost four years out, can you walk us through your collegiate and post-grad experience and tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I graduated, you know, I had a few different career paths that I was interested in taking. And, you know, I was actually right before I graduated, I'll step back just a second first, right before I graduated, I had an internship and I absolutely loved what I was doing there. And I was in learning and development for that internship. And I was planning on, you know, the internship purpose was that they then offer you a full-time job and you stay at that company. And I was so excited for that. And they actually ended up not working out for me. They went on a hiring freeze right when my transition from intern to full-time role happened. And so my plan didn't exactly go how I thought it would. Um, but, you know, I, I ended up, they offered an extension on that internship, and I made the decision that I really wanted to find my full-time role. So I decided to, you know, end my role there, and I really went on the full-time job search. And, you know, the job search can be a full-time job. So I, I spent a few weeks really just, you know, 
researching different companies, different roles, doing a ton of networking, you know, deciding on what are those things that I really want to develop and grow in, and, you know, tailoring your resumes, cover letters, all of that. And I ended up landing a job at Best Buy. And so, like I had mentioned earlier, I've had a few different roles at Best Buy, so I definitely did not expect so much change in the first two years of my career, but it really ultimately ended up leading me where I want to be. So That's awesome. How did you embrace that change? I think we all have expectations when we leave school that this is the job I'm going to get and this is what it's going to look like. How did you manage those expectations when you're, when that position got eliminated and then also um, moving around so much within Best Buy? Yeah, that's a great question. It's definitely, I mean, you have to keep an open mind. You have to stay positive. I think what you think is your dream job right out of college might ultimately not be your dream job a year down the line. And I think you need to you know, have a job, learn more about yourself, learn even more about your strengths, understand a company's culture to really fully grasp what that dream job is. So I think being having patience and being able to adapt and know that my cookie-cutter definition of my dream job is going to evolve, and even still today it's going to. So you just have to be ready to embrace new experiences, try things out, and, uh, and you know, exciting things will come. It's definitely not easy, and and sometimes I've met so many people who are just really set on one thing, and sometimes that ends up working out, but, you know, not comparing yourself to others as well, because I think when it comes to finding a job or even anything when it comes to, you know, adulting and, you know, buying a house, buying a car, things are all going to happen at different times for different people when they're meant to happen. And so I think, you know, just being patient and knowing that good things will come in time, but you do have to have that patience and there may be rejections along the way. There may be, you may veer off onto another path, but that's, that's completely fine and you still will get where you want to go. You just have to be determined and have that grit. I love that. I think a a lot of that time post-graduation is all about dealing with change and learning how to accept that and it going from, you know, a dictated schedule every day of school and probably a job and then, then what you graduate and you don't have that schedule anymore. So how did you kind of transition into the real world? Were there any tactics or, you know, tips of advice that you could give? to those maybe in their last semester that are about to go through that experience? I think that I I will say I got very fortunate. I was very fortunate to work at Best Buy where we have a lot of flexibility in our schedule. And so depending on the company as well, I think you may have more flexibility and you may not. And really just finding that sweet spot of, you know, working with your manager, working with your coworkers to figure out what works best. That's going to be key. For me, I am a morning person, so really figuring out, you know, if I have things that I need to get done in a day, I need to prioritize, and I'm someone who gets up early, so I get a lot of my things checked off my checklist before I'm even at work, or I'll come to work early and get some things done. So I think it's just finding what works for you and when when you can get those things in that you need to get done, but 
but I'd say prioritizing is big because I'm also involved with a lot of things outside of work, some which happen during working hours. Um, uh, and so just, you know, communicating a lot with those people around you who somewhat do dictate your schedule, whether it's managers, coworkers, you know, family, organizations that you're in that have different requirements. You have to really communicate and be open and figure out what works best for everyone. That's great advice. Sometimes that can be hard is figuring out what the culture is of the organization you're at. Um, and so, you know, like you said, getting there early, some people function well early in the morning, other people function well at night. And so hopefully people are finding a manager that they can have that communication with and that flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some ways that you've kind of accomplished that if you stayed in touch with some organizations or some friends that you made in college and now you're working full time? How do you kind of manage those, those two aspects of life? Yeah, that's a really good, great question. So, you know, I've stayed involved with organizations on my campus, and I've even done some involvement with organizations from other campuses. And then I'm also in some professional organizations here in the Twin Cities that I either joined during or after school. And so it can be a lot to balance. Uh, and I think, again, finding that sweet spot of like when it works best for you and others. So, for example, you know, I'm having this chat with you guys over my lunch. Mm-hmm. And so kind of being flexible and being open to, to what will work for other people has been huge. I make sure, you know, when I am going to, you know, say visit UND, I'm actually visiting the University of North Dakota this weekend. I'm really excited for that. And I made sure that those organizations that I'm involved with knew ahead of time that I would be there. And so now I get to go to the AKSI tailgate at the homecoming game this Saturday. So I'm really excited for that. So, you know, I think communication is key. Just kind of thinking ahead and being, you know, be a little bit, uh, what, I'm at a loss for my word right here. Um, kind of, uh, go after things before you even know that there are opportunities. I mean, if I hadn't reached out, I may not even know that we're having a tailgate. And I'll say the UND chapter does a really good job keeping their alumni updated through their Facebook page and through their newsletters and things. So that's it's really fun to see those things happening. And, but yeah, communication is key there and getting ahead of the game. So you mentioned about being involved outside of work during work hours. So talk to us a little bit about how you had that conversation with your manager. And did you have to sell it as a benefit to the company or is your manager pretty supportive of that? Yeah, that's a great question. I have been very fortunate and, you know, my manager, my coworkers, we're all about development and how can we leverage opportunities. Uh, but I think that the biggest thing is how can we bring them back to the team? So I'll give you an example. I'm in an organization. It's a learning and development organization here in the Twin Cities, PACT, the Professional Association for Computer Training. And we have a lot of events, and they fall on business days. So one Friday every month, I am gone for half a day so that I can go to our monthly meeting. And the biggest thing that I really had to tell the manager is that I'm, you know, I had to make sure that he was confident that I would bring these learnings back to the team. Because without that, it's really not as much of a value add. I think you can go to events, you can go to seminars, workshops all day long, but if you're the only one benefit, benefiting from that, 
and that it really isn't bringing as much value to the company. So I try and find some different ways. How can I do a teach back with my team? How can I identify projects that me or maybe my coworker is working on that something that I learned can directly apply to and how can I share that information with that person or maybe bounce an idea off of someone using something I learned and kind of share that knowledge with them. So I've been really fortunate and I am able to balance those things, but I think that I wouldn't always have those opportunities if it was something that I was the only one benefiting from. No, that's a great point. And I think that might be an encouraging tip to the listeners as well when you're in the interview process and looking at companies and meeting with people. Definitely find out what the culture is about volunteering and how people feel about that. That could be a win for you to join that company or maybe you decide because of that you want to look somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just opens up doors for development in the future as well because, you know, they're, they're, they want to invest in someone who wants what's best for the entire company, not just themselves. Mm -hmm. And all of that is, you know, it's just continuous development. And so in those first few positions, when it may not be your dream job, how do you go into the office every day and just really give it your all and make it the best it can be, even if it's not exactly what you expected you'd be doing right after graduation? Yeah, that, I think that is, that's something that I feel like a lot of people experience. You know, you go into maybe a job that, you know, again, doesn't meet that exact definition of your dream job. And I'll say I got into an area that I was really interested in, but it wasn't the exact position that I was looking for. And so I knew early on that, you know, I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to establish myself at Best Buy as a hard worker, make sure I was, you know, having the highest quality outputs that I could with all of my work, building relationships. Um, and so one of the key things for me was creating a formal development plan. So I think it's important that no matter where you are, you are really purposefully developing yourself. So you have maybe those two or three things that you really want to specifically work on and being able to show a formal development plan to a manager or a coworker or, you know, any type of leader at the company is going to, for one, make them know that you're serious about developing yourself and, you know, growing with the company. And it'll also, you know, keep you on point and help have those people to keep you accountable on those things. And I think there's so many opportunities available that, maybe aren't always advertised or maybe aren't formal. And so for me, being able to show my development plan to different people, so I'll give you an example. I am an in learning development and I have a, a passion for HR in general as well. And so I network a lot with our HR business partners. I try and learn more about their roles. And through that, I was able to show my development plan to someone and they told me about this really cool program that Best Buy does. It's called Learning Through Partnerships, and we partner with a college of adult learners who are somewhere on the autism spectrum, and we created and facilitate professional development classes to all of their freshman classes. And so I didn't know about that, and if I hadn't connected with someone who knew about the program, I wouldn't have been able to get involved with that, and now I've been involved with it for almost a year and a half, and it's 
you know, one of those things that you go to work and you just have a lot of passion for it. It just really excites you. And so I think that formal development plan is one of the biggest things there. It's, I think you'll be able to find your motivation when others really know what you're trying to accomplish and you can, you know, do it together. Then you don't feel as alone as you're going through that new job phase. That's so interesting. I I can say I haven't really heard of that. What is what does that look like? What does a formal development plan look like? And how do you approach your manager or your coworkers with that and say, Can you help me reach these goals and keep me accountable? Yeah, that is a really good question. I think that development plans can look different for everyone. I have a lot of coworkers who look completely different than mine. They approach them way differently. Maybe some are more formal more formal or less formal. For me, I document it all on an Excel spreadsheet. I have, you know, I always keep it to five or less things that I'm looking to develop. So I kind of come up with those larger buckets that I'm looking to develop. And then within that, I come up with, okay, what are some tactical things that I can actually do? What are some actions I can take and some timelines on those actions? And I have it organized by month. So if I accomplish something in a month that I'm that I had set to accomplish on that development plan, I mark it as green. And if I don't, I mark it as red. And that way I have a really good visual of, you know, here are the things I was going towards and here's what I did and didn't accomplish. You know, then I can evaluate and say, you know, was I going to was I trying to accomplish too much this month? Was I do I need to scale it back a little bit and prioritize a little bit more? Or Maybe I accomplish everything and I'm like, you know what, I can take on more. I can kind of look towards that next goal that I have. And, you know, to create this, you can definitely do it by yourself. There's lots of resources online. I, I thought AKSI has some great resources as well. But, you know, find a mentor. Find someone who's interested in helping others develop and, you know, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, here's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to make a more formal development plan. Do you have any feedback for me? Or have you ever done this before? And I think kind of partnering with someone on that and having some guidance, whether it's one person or multiple, I think will kind of help you shape it to to what you need. That's great advice. I think two things, you you um, got two things going in my mind that I've learned from my career is one, you know, going back to that expectations of what do you expect your job to be. I think early on in my career, I took on opportunities that didn't necessarily fit my job description. And I didn't quite understand how they were going to help me later down the line. But it's amazing how everything comes together. So for example, in my first job, we didn't have somebody that was assigned to surveys. And I had done surveying in my marketing courses, but it never had done one on the scale. And so I took it on and learned more about the surveying methods and got to do that. And that's carried me through my career. It's amazing how many surveys are done incorrectly. And so I got to learn (laughs) the right ways to do it. And then informational interviews. I have contacted so many people over my career. Desiree, I think your job's really interesting. Would you mind if I treated you to a cup of coffee or came to your office? And I just want to hear your journey in your professional career. It opens so many doors to connections that you never know how they're going to benefit you or you can benefit them, but it's a great thing to do in your career as well. Absolutely. I love that you said mentor too, Shanna, because I was about to say, you just need to be my mentor and personal (laughs) coach at this point with this Excel sheet because I love that idea. (laughs) And kind of backtracking a little bit. So for those graduates that maybe don't have a job lined up and they're kind of sitting at home really 
trying to figure out how to start the process. What are some good ways to kind of deal with that maybe restlessness or like homegrown stress that some, some people can experience? Yeah, it can definitely be stressful to, you know, not, you know, immediately have a job and it's really hard to be patient. I mean, it, timing can be everything sometimes, you know, your perfect job or that role that's going to get you where you want to be, it might just not be posted yet and that's something that's completely out of your control. So I think you need to accept that things are out of your control sometimes. And, you know, especially being here at Best Buy, we learned a lot about what's going on internally. So maybe something's we had a job post here, and I told a ton of my peers about it, a ton of people within my network, you know, there's this really cool job opening, and behind the scenes, it ended up that we were restructuring, and so after about a week of it being posted, we had to take it down, and it was, you know, everyone ended up getting a, a rejection, you know, but it wasn't that they weren't qualified, it was that we restructured and decided that that role was no longer going to be hired for. And so there's so many things happening at different companies that are out of your control that you really have to stay positive and just, uh, you know, be resilient and be able to bounce back when you do. Maybe hear something that isn't the best news or hear nothing because there's, you just never know what's going on sometimes. But, you know, being patient and really just taking the time. So, you know, I know it's really easy to mass apply for jobs, but... You know, like I said, it was pretty much a full-time job for me to find a job, and I really spent a lot of time tailoring every single resume. I did not submit a resume that that wasn't really tailored to the role that I was looking at. So think about all the different experiences you have. There's not just one way to frame those things, and, and just kind of try and get creative and and be able to take the time to do those. So it is tough. It's easier said than done to be patient and to know that good things are going to come, but you really do need that patience and you need to know that you can't control every aspect of the job search. So true. Yeah. And in life, <laughs> not just the job search. <laughs> and we hear that a lot about tailoring your resume and your cover letter. So talk a little bit about how you did that. How do you change your resume for each position? Is it just, you know, that, titles and reorganizing or is it the bullet points beneath those how do you kind of go about that yeah so a few different ways I'd say yes there may be some rearranging if maybe one role is very relevant to something I'm applying for or whatnot but I think really it comes down to describing the work that you've done um you know, within those bullet points under each role or volunteer position or organization, there's so many things. I mean, especially AKSI is such a great example because, you know, you may do a ton of things throughout the time that you're in an organization like Alpha Kappa Psi, and at, at one role, maybe if you were on the finance committee one semester, maybe for a particular role, that's going to be really relevant because you managed a budget and you, uh, you know, those things that, that directly apply to what you're going for. And then maybe another role doesn't ask for any of that. Maybe you're going for more of a project management role and it has these other these other things on the job description. So, of course, you really need to read each job description carefully and look for those keywords because 
the biggest thing is that, especially at bigger companies, they're going to have a filter system where if you don't have enough of the keywords that they need, Mm -hmm. you won't even get to a human being. You'll just be eliminated before you get that far in the process. So tearing it using those words, and I also usually did some research on just industry terms and things like that so that I could make sure that I was really tearing it so it was a language that they understood very clear and that they could tell that I had done my research and, you know, looked into them and their company. So I think it's everything from, you know, making sure I know everyone has so many different things that they're doing, and so maybe if you have personal bullet points, that that definitely isn't everything you've done in your role. So sometimes you have to kind of stretch yourself and jog your memory on those things. But I think those are a couple of the big areas that I would tailor as I was going through. That's great advice. And I think it the first time I started doing all the keywords that they put in their um, job posting, it feels awkward because you feel like you're stealing their words and you're like, I'm not creative, <laughs> but you're so right. If you don't have those keywords, you can maybe not even get to the right people. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And how do you think your time in AKSI kind of impacted your journey? Oh, in so many ways. <laughs> um, I I really think that I solidified my work ethic through AKSI. And, you know, there's so many things, there's so many pieces of advice. I feel like, you know, this conversation and conversation with other alumni and, you know, really anyone in their careers, there's an unlimited amount of advice and things that you can do to to put yourself ahead. Uh, and so through HSI, I mean, I learned so many of those things. That's where I really started getting that professional etiquette, whether it was, you know, resume and cover letter help or, you know, learning how to dress professionally for each occasion, you know, getting that networking uh, foundation really solidified. There's so many different things, but, you know, it it gives you the opportunity to practice those things, but then you're going to do on a larger scale. So, you know, I did a lot of networking within HSI, you know, maybe when I helped with some of the different programs and I got to network with different professionals, and now I'm doing that kind of on a larger scale, and I'm trying to get a little bit more purposeful. So I think one of the great things about AKSI is that you can do some exploration. You don't have to say, here's the career I'm going on. Now, you may have those specific passions and interests, and that's awesome as well, but I really got to explore what I wanted to do, practice things, gain those skills, you know, have I got to take advantage of opportunities that allowed me to have the flexibility to tailor those that resume to each of the different jobs I was applying for, where, you know, if I wouldn't have done that, I definitely would have limited the amount of experience that I had and the most hands-on things that I've gotten to do. Yeah, that's a great point. I think back to my interviewing when I graduated after being in AKSI, it was nice to have some examples of things that didn't go right. I think the recruiters were really mm-hmm. impressed with, here's something we tried, here's why it failed, and here's what we did to improve it. Um, and I don't think you would get that coming out of college if you didn't have something like AKSI. So great, great reminder there. Kind of thinking about the term yeah. adulting, we hear all the time, <laughs> we've even used it. What does that term really mean to you? Yes. So adulting, I think, is something that we hear all the time. And still being, you know, two, three years out of school, everyone, you know, any big purchase anyone makes, any career jump anyone makes, 
me and my friends are always joking about this, you know, now I feel, I definitely feel like an adult now. <laughs> um, and I think it, it's fun to, you know, adult and take those next steps and, you know, move forward and, you know, get those things that you've wanted. But I think you do, you definitely need to be patient on those things and like give yourself some time and some grace to figure everything out. I think I mentioned before, but, you know, there's, you're going to have all these friends, all these peers from school that you're going to see, hey, this person bought a house right out of school. Hey, this person, you know, landed their dream job. And everything is going to happen at a different time for every person. And it's going to happen when it's right for you. So you, you need to think long term about that um, and make sure that you're kind of adulting at the pace that <laughs> works best for you. Um, I think... You know, it's been really exciting. I actually, this weekend, I bought my first car that I bought myself. Before oh, congratulations. That, I had a car That's me. exciting. Thank you. Way to adult. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I got to, I, afterwards, I texted my friends. I was like, here I am adulting. I have a new car. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's, it is really fun, but I think you need to be patient um, and you need to, you know, think long-term. It, it is really crazy once you start getting those, you know, first paychecks. It's more money than I had ever had before. Uh, so it feels like more, but there are a lot more responsibilities that come with it as well and things that you'll want to save for. Mm-hmm. And I think just being cognizant of that, being aware that, you know, you want to be in it for the long haul, not just for the short term, checking those things off your list. And, you know, it'll come in time, but it is really exciting when those things happen. Just, you know, be excited about the milestones, but also not too eager because you want to make sure that, you know, you're doing what's right for you, not just what, you know, society says the order should be of things or something that maybe pushes you too fast in one direction that you're not ready to go in. So just be really self-aware and then when you do have those moments, celebrate them. That's great advice. And thanks for the reminder that everything happens at different paces for people. I think it's really hard, mm-hmm. especially with social media, to feel like you're behind your peers, so to speak, mm-hmm. based on things they're doing. And the thing that I've learned over the years is just because nine of my friends have done a certain thing doesn't mean that it's the right thing for me. Um, so also yeah. having that patience to know where I want to go. And like you said, mapping out the future and how am I going to get there and what pieces do I need? And taking ownership and being proud of the journey that you path out, even though it may not look like somebody else's. So thanks for that reminder. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's real adulting is when you do what's best for you and you create your own journey for it. So I think a lot of this conversation has been about kind of the process and being patient. And so while you are going through, you know, any of this, Tell us about a time that your personal values were maybe challenged during that time and how you handled that. You know, I think for me, one of my values is, you know, my family and family and friends, those friends that I consider family as well. And I think going back also to kind of prioritizing and managing my own schedule, I have, I kind of came to a point where I realized I was just doing too much. Um, I wasn't really accounting for things that I might not know 
or going to come up, you know, maybe it's a family emergency, maybe it's, you know, immediately needing to get a new car, maybe, you know, your car breaks down or, you know, any amount of things can happen. And so I've definitely had some of those kind of in the moment things happen. And I've had so much on my plate at certain times that I haven't been able to dedicate that time to family and friends that I'd like to. And so for me, uh, kind of how I've overcome that and something that I'm working on and that I'm trying to develop is saying no to more things. So I really do need to prioritize and make sure that I have time for those things that are important to me. Uh, you know, like the organization past that I had mentioned, I just became a mentor and mentor program at the Career Center at UND. You know, spending time with my friends and family is absolutely on that list of priorities and so figuring out those things and being able to say no to others and it can be really tough. I have said no to, you know, different things that really get me excited like there was this one side job and I was so excited about it um, and I I just came to realize that, you know, I will be over, I will be overfilling my plate if I take this on and so I did say no to that so I think that's a huge thing and you know you need to be aware of what you value and what you need to put first sometimes Mm -hmm. I love that I think that we can all relate to that in this day when it's just busy all the time Mm -hmm. and I mean it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of courage and self-awareness to know what you can and can't take on Mm -hmm. so yeah that's awesome I love that and that's a great way to build your personal brand too we all want to do everything that's asked of us but if you poorly deliver on it it really starts to dilute your brand so that's a great reminder as well yeah absolutely and I think too you know sometimes it's like it's so hard to say no to something but also you know maybe don't close the door on something maybe saying you know right now it just really isn't a good time but if we could revisit this in six months and see if it's still an opportunity you know I'd love to chat again and keep the door open so you know don't close the door on things necessarily but make sure that you're doing them you know when you can and you know that brings the most value to your life too because you need to you know you don't want to overwhelm yourself either mm-hmm. and if you could kind of sum all of this up in maybe two to three tips to our new grads what would those be i would say you know be patient and also be really excited so you know everything might not happen at once but give yourself the time that you need to figure everything out make sure you're thinking long term and and celebrate those things when they happen you know give yourself a pat on the back when you do take the time to slow down and and do what's best for you and right for you Um, and find those people who who will support you in that journey and uh, you know, be there for you when you do need to reach out for help. There will absolutely be times when you have to do that. And, you know, be excited. It is a really fun time and it's a really awesome opportunity to shape your future and, and build that personal brand. Well, Shanna, thank you so much for calling in and joining us today. I think it's great to have that insight. And I know everyone can always use the reminder to be patient and just trust the process and enjoy it. Um, enjoy the ride. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for giving up your lunch hour to talk to us. <laughs> we appreciate your multitasking. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for listening to Business Edge. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions for us, email businessedge at akzi.org.